The Lord will meet you where you're at and take you to where He is. That's the great truth we'll explore today on Grow in Grace. The divine creator, the self-sufficient one, the infinite, no finite, no measurement, the one who's always has been and always will be, and fill in whatever words work for you. The giver of life says, come and touch me, and I will touch you and I will change you. That's what he's saying. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say let this world know me by your love. You've picked a good day to join us as we bring to a close our series through the Gospel of Luke today and tomorrow on Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray has taken us through this amazing account of the Lord's earthly ministry, and we end today with a great challenge, to live in the light of the resurrection. We have this wonderful salvation from sin through the Lord's death on the cross. And we all know people who don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord. So what are we waiting for? With our final study in the Gospel of Luke, here's Pastor Ed Ray. We actually come to the last few verses of the Gospel of Luke, starting here in verse 36. The story is Jesus has risen, and he's appeared to two on the road to Emmaus, and they come back to Jerusalem, and we break into the story with them meeting with the rest of the disciples. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you, or shalom. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why do they arise in your heart? Behold my hands or look at my hands and my feet that it is I, myself, handle or touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bone, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it in their presence, right in front of them. And Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Messiah, the Christ, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
And he let them out as far as Bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them. And now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Let me tell you a story. It is a true story. I don't recommend the things that were done in it, but it's a good picture of how human nature works and what was going on in the story we just read this morning. The New York cop's name was Charlie, and Charlie was in a diner in New York City, lower Manhattan, finishing his lunch. He reached in his pocket, looked at the bill, pulled out his money and realized He didn't have as much money as he thought he had, and he just had enough to pay for lunch. Didn't have enough for the tip. And so he calls the waitress over, and he tries to explain to her, and he promises her that he'll give her a double tip tomorrow, or, and he reaches in his pocket and pulls out his wallet, he says, you can have half of the winnings of my lottery ticket. Now, Yvonne was having the worst day of her life. The waitress had just come back from court where she had filed bankruptcy. Her husband had run off with the credit card and run it up, and she was alone trying to take care of two kids and the apartment she couldn't really afford and pay off the credit card, and this was just the last straw. And she just shook her head, couldn't believe her luck, but she was good-natured about it. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take half of your winnings as a joke, she said. And you can tell where this is going. Charlie left. That evening was a lottery. Next morning, he comes back in. He walks right up to her, and he said, we're a winner. You just won half of $4 million. She walked. She backed up. She said, that's not funny. Get out of here. Leave me alone. He said, no, it's the truth. She said, is there a camera here? No, no, this isn't funny. I don't want to hear it anymore. I, look, I've got all these customers, and she's working. He, says, he stands in front of her and says, Devon, you have $2 million. She looked at him, and she said, $2 million. He said, yes. She said, yes. No. And she walks away again. She can't believe it. He grabs her, spins her around, he says, $2 million for you, $2 million for me. And he dances a little jig. We won. He goes. <laughs> and she screams. And she danced around the restaurant with every customer in there. She had won. $2 million on a joke. I'll take half your winnings. And Charlie was an honest enough guy to come back and tell her, right? Now, I don't recommend the lottery. Don't say you came to church and the pastor said it's a great thing to do. My statistics professor said the lottery is for people who are bad at math. <laughs> Truth you're 17 times more likely to be struck by lightning in California than win the lottery. That's the real numbers. (laughs) But I tell you the story just to try and capture 
what was going on with these men, these apostles. They're saying, it can't be real. These women had gone early in the morning. This is the same day. And they come back and they say, the body is missing. And we talked to some men that looked like angels. <laughs> and these guys go, come on, come on. And then now these two people had shown up from Emmaus. And they're saying, we walked along the road and all of a sudden this guy shows up and we don't recognize him and we go and we have lunch together and he shows us his hands. He breaks bread. We have communion and it was Jesus. And then he disappeared. <laughs> oh, come on. Was I born yesterday? He disappeared. That's where they are. They're like you. They're like me. We live in the real world. We have five senses. We learn to depend on them. It can't be true. And like Yvonne in this story, they're going back and forth, but there's starting to be this growing amount of evidence. We break into the story in this section of the Gospel of Luke. It breaks up in three little parts. His entry, and what an entry. I mean, if you're going to enter into a room and you want people to notice you, just show up <laughs> while the doors are locked and the windows are shut. That'll get their attention. Then his commission. He tells them, he charges them, he challenges them and you and I with the reason why we're here on planet Earth after we give our lives to him. Verse 44 to 49 and then, as if the entry wasn't big enough, he goes for the grand exit. Is he just showing off? No. <laughs> he does want them and us to understand that he's God. God came to earth. Now, this is the close of the most fantastic story ever told. And you might be thinking, fairy tale. I did for years. I understand that kind of thinking. Or this is the greatest hope-filled story that you've ever read. Hope? Hope is the expectation of coming good. Because every one of us, at least so far, the statistics on death, real sweeping. <laughs> Nobody gets out alive. Is this all there is? No. And we all know it in our heart of hearts. It says so in Ecclesiastes, God has put eternity in our hearts. This is the hope. This is the expectation. This is the anticipation of coming good. You're listening to Grow in Grace and a part of our final study in Luke. Now that we've introduced the passage to you, let's go a little deeper. Here's Pastor Ed Ray once again. Let's jump in and look at it. It's a great story. First, his entrance. Now, as they said, these two guys from Emmaus, or it might have been a husband and wife, we're not sure, they come in and talk to him about seeing his hands when he breaks bread, and the rest of the disciples are listening. They're in a place where they're eating. They're probably having a meal together, very much like the diner scene I, I told you about. And Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. <laughs> I wonder why he said that. <laughs> now, both the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John said the place was shut. They had all the doors locked because they were worried the Romans were going to come and take them next. 
They crucified Jesus. They're going to crucify all of us. They're going to clean out the whole thing. We're all out of here. We're all martyrs. We're all going to die. And so the doors are locked, the windows are locked, and boom, he shows up. The crucified Savior, they watched him die. He was dead. How dead? Completely dead. (laughs) Dead, dead. Now, you know, for years I had listened to things like the swoon theory and the Passover plot, and maybe some of you have, have read some of those where they you know, just make up fantastic stories. Now the current trend is to say, well, he was just a spirit. This is a spiritual resurrection. It wasn't a physical one. Listen, if you believe this book, if you believe what was said, and these are eyewitness accounts by a physician, Dr. Luke, this is what he saw. Not what he saw personally, but what those who were there told him. He said, I didn't see these things, but I'm an eyewitness, and I'm going to be faithful in the things I write down. I'm only writing down the things that these people saw. So they showed up. Jesus said, peace to you. How did they do with that? It says they're terrified. Look at the next verse. You'd be terrified too. We'd all freak out. If you showed up right here right now, I'd probably pass out. Because I'm used to relying on my five senses too. What I can feel, what I can see, what I can hear, what I can taste. So they're wiped out, frightened. They suppose that they had seen the old King James, a ghost. The word is phantom. <laughs> they thought, Wow, he came through the walls, and this is a disembodied spirit. This is some apparition. Run. They were probably going for the doors. They were locked. (laughs) And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? This has got to be the funniest line in the scripture. (laughs) Why do you doubt? What's going on in your hearts? Why are you struggling? And he says, basically, look and touch. Look at the next verse. Behold. Or see, some of your translations say, my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Handle me, literally touch me. Bring your finger over here. We got these amazing things called hands, right? 27 bones. It it has movements in 47 different directions. It has unbelievable strength. It can feel something so small that it's uh, the height of an eyelash. You can feel an eyelash, but also put 400 pounds of torque into something if you're working out in good shape. He said, come and touch, come and see two of these five senses. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see. Why didn't you say flesh and blood? He didn't have any. It was all gone. He bled for you and for me. By his blood, our sins are forgiven. It's his blood that cleanses us. And, and we have a body that's driven by blood. You know, we talked about that before. We have this amazing biological system. It's got the Krebs cycle, it's called. And we're cranking out energy by glycogen storage in our liver and glucose in our blood. And he didn't have any. So what's this new body like? Well, this is one of the few places in Scripture that talks about the body that we get. If we surrender our lives to him, we're going to spend eternity in one of these models. This is like the racy model. This is the XL version. He just showed up, walked through a wall. I'd like one of those bodies right now. They could be useful. Mine is, you know, gravity has taken its toll on all of us. This one, he can do all kinds of cool things with, but notice most of all that you can touch it. Now, Luke is emphasizing this because by this time, there was something called the Gnostic heresy that had already started. We know it in our day, it's still going on today, by the Da Vinci Code. If any of you saw that movie, that was really the gospel according to the Gnostics. Gnosticism is, the word means to know. 
Well, they believed, they were teaching it already, that Jesus was a phantom, that he was just spirit, that he walked on the beach and he didn't leave any footsteps. He's laying all that to rest. He says, first one, look and see with your eyes. Second invitation, touch. Handle me. The Greek word literally means with your fingers. He says, come and put your finger here. Now, John would later write a letter, 1 John 1.1, and he would say, use the same word that Jesus used here. That which was from the beginning was always there, he said, from the beginning of time, from before the creation. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, touched of the word of life. John's saying, I touched him. We all did. We what? We stood in line. Yeah, you walked up. And they're probably a little rest. And I, the first time I was working in a hospital years ago, that a physician handed me a body part, and he said, take this. I went, no, <laughs> I'm not touching that thing. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I mean, it's still like really fresh. Jesus, those wounds. Now, we say his scars, but these were wounds, three days old. Now, this is a repugnant thought to a lot of people. Number one, just because it's you know, kind of creepy, you know, touching blood and open wounds and things like that, and that would hurt. But some people have trouble with this concept that Jesus is trying to communicate, you touch God, God touches you. That God is personal. That he's not some force, some deistic God who's up in the by and by. Jesus says, come and touch me. Some people are put off by that. Well, he's holy. He's the the one who's high, and we're here. He said, no, come and touch me. I, I read a news report years ago, stuck with me, New Delhi, outside of New Delhi. A bus went off a mountain road and down an embankment and into a river. Just the front of the bus was in the river, and there were two different caste systems in the bus. You know, they had a separation in the back of it were the untouchables, the Dalits, they're called in India, if you've been there. And the lowest caste, the untouchables are just what it says. And the other casts were in the front part of the bus. Well, the bus goes in nose first, and it's teetering there in the river. Passerby comes, sees what's going on, runs down, has a rope, takes it out of his car, ties it to a tree, and throws it into the back of the bus. And all 11 of the Dallas of the untouchables got out. None of the 78 other people would get out of the bus. And the bus finally rocked and teetered and went into the water, and they all drowned. 78 people drowned. Why? Because they wouldn't touch the rope that the untouchables had touched. <laughs> That's crazy in our way of thinking, of course, but it's a picture of why this is an outrageous claim here, that the divine creator, the self-sufficient one, the infinite no finite, no measurement, the one who's always has been and always will be. And, and fill in whatever words work for you. The giver of life says, come and touch me. And I will touch you and I will change you. That's what he's saying. Then, when he had said this, he showed him his hands and feet. And they came up and they did it. They touched the places. Then, verse 41, now they didn't believe for joy, it says. It's too good to be true. <laughs> this can't be true. And they marvel. And so he's going to give them further proof. Got any pizza? <laughs> What's around? What are we eating today? 
Now, this is one of the reasons that I love Jesus. He's into eating. He's always eating in Scripture. Now, I don't for a minute believe that he has to eat. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai and he was in God's presence, he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. That's a miracle. You can't do that. Your body can't go longer than six days without water. So it's a miracle. But when he was there, he was sustained because this is the source of life he was right next to. You remember the story. When he came down, he was glowing like a light bulb. And, of course, when you look back that amount of time, 1400 B.C., 3,400 years ago, they'd never seen anything except the fire. That was the brightest thing except for the sun. But Moses' face is glowing. I don't know what all that means besides he was in the presence of the source of all life. So Jesus didn't have to eat. He's doing it for them. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. Mm. <laughs> that sounds good. I've never had those two together. And he ate it in front of them, verse 43. He took it and ate it in their presence, again, dispelling this idea that he was a ghost, that he was a phantom. He physically took and feed in food and ate it, and they watched. That's his entry. He's saying, are you paying attention? Now that I have your attention, he gives them something to do. Verse 44, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you still, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and of the prophets and of the Psalms concerning me. For 1,400 years before Jesus, men had been writing down prophetic predictions about what the Messiah would be like, and he came and fulfilled every one of them. And you can go and check this out. It's the Bible. It's the Old Testament. It's there. And, you know, until our lifetime, 1948, 1946 originally, but 1948 before we found out for sure that we have documents older than Jesus that are the same Old Testament documents we have. You look at the book of Isaiah today, it's the same book of Isaiah they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls that have been carbon dated to 200 B.C. So we know these predictions were there before Jesus came. So he didn't like, okay, I'm going to be born at Bethlehem. Everybody to Bethlehem, we're having a baby. <laughs> it wasn't that kind of a deal at all. All these prophecies are set up in advance. He said all these things, including the Psalms, Psalm 22, Psalm 110 concerning the Son, Psalm 118 that talked about the cornerstone stumbling over him. And he began to speak to them about these things. Now, this is another one of those Bible studies you want to check out when you get to heaven. I don't know if it's a DVD or some other format, probably. DVD's probably like 8-track today up there, verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scripture supernaturally. You see, you can't understand the Scriptures if you are still not a believer, it says so over and over again, 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. For years, I thought this book was just a book of fables, and there wasn't a God, and I didn't need him. <laughs> Some of us are a little slower than others, okay? It took a while for me to get here. But this is talking about the ability to understand the book. Not to understand sin, we all know what that is. Not that you can't understand eternal punishment or eternal rewards, but the deeper spiritual things, they only happen when you're connected to God. Each of us must experience this new birth in order to inherit eternal life and be with the resurrected Lord. We hope and pray that's the case for you. And if not, 
That can change today through repentance and faith. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. For a CD copy of today's message from the book of Luke, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org when it's most convenient. And to help you grow in grace, we'd like to recommend Pastor Ed's daily devotional. It's accessible online at thepackinghouse.org. Our featured resource this month is Tale of Three Kings, authored by Gene Edwards. And I'm sure we've all experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers. And it can be a confusing time. But rather than turn bitter and angry, you can experience healing and hope. Gene Edwards looks at David, Saul, and Absalom. I know you'll be touched as you read this story. We'll send it your way for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. And please remember, it's your support that helps us bring these teachings to the radio every day. Call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in Luke with Pastor Ed Ray. May God richly bless you as you grow in grace. This program is listener supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sit be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.